Welcome everyone to our First Mover Cyber Monday Next Commerce Newscast series for everything that has happened in our industry that is of noteworthiness. Um, as of today, September 11, uh, we are here today with you live, although we also welcome all of you, as you know, to join us on demand as you see fit. And because today is a, I, I would say, not a, maybe a special day, it's special because it's Cyber Monday, but it is. it has been 22 years since the fateful attacks um, in New York City and other locations um, on the Twin Towers. And I did want to just, while it's, a, it's kind of a somber note, I did want to make sure we, we did acknowledge uh, all those who were lost and all those who were impacted by those attacks and by the, the implications of those attacks. And I, I, I think most of us, no matter where we, where we were or who, what group we were a part of um, in the past, what country we're from, we can remember where we were when we heard about that news and potentially were watching that unfold on the news. So we did want to just take a, maybe not a moment of silence, but a moment of remembrance of all those impacted and who were lost and, and send our prayers and best wishes to those who still carry them forward um, as we go forward today. Um, but we do welcome all of you. Um, if you're taking today off and you're going to catch up, that's fine, too. We know there are a lot of people that were a lot closer to some of those who were lost um, I have family who were, were, were missing in action for a while until we found out where their planes had been landed. And so I, I, definitely, uh, I, I definitely can empathize and sympathize with different, different parts of that. But uh, we are excited to be back with you today uh, for everything, again, that's happened in the month uh, since our August. And we had a lot of people joining us live in August, even though I was very happy for many of you to be out on uh, vacation and holidays with your family. We welcome all of you to join us today. Lots to cover in just a short window of time. We do check our, when we check our registration list, we constantly get new people joining our Cyber Monday series. And we realize there are a lot of new first movers to the first mover community. They're not necessarily new first movers, but they might be new to our first mover uh, family. Um, we are first mover. We are your satellite center of excellence for next commerce education and change management. We do everything from public free events like Cyber Monday and many other events. We'll, we'll mention the ones coming up uh, even tomorrow and, and later this month um, in just a moment. But we, we put on public events to help democratize great knowledge for broader audiences, as well as the Jedi Knights out there, like many of you who are leading the charge. We do custom trainings and certifications for your organizations, your, your advanced practitioners, your executives, you name it. Um, we've done programs for over 80 different CPGs globally, locally, expert, novice, you know, multi-part, just a plug-in immersion, you name it. We're here to help you with that. And then we do a ton of advisory, consulting, capability, support, temp services, really, again, as, as, as a true center of excellence to plug into your own COE or to help fill in a gap if you don't have a COE, to help you get what needs to get done so you can keep leading that change internally. And so... If you need any help, officially or unofficially at any time, even if it's just career support or recommendations, we're here to help. It's not about these two ugly mugs here on the slide, but uh, we are first movers behind you as first movers, and it takes one to know one. So um, you'll hear our voices today. My name is Chris Perry. I'm the chief learning officer and a fellow co-founder here at First Mover. Uh, been in the trenches leading e-commerce across Reckitt, Wellness, and uh, Kellogg's before also working with a ton of other wonderful brands while I was at Edge by Essential, before co-founding First Mover. I couldn't do any of this without my business partner in crime, Oscar Kaszewski, our chief growth officer, fellow co-founder, who 
as he always likes to say, has been in the digital space for two decades, but also led e-commerce across a lot of our peer companies out there at KC, Mondelez, and Kellogg. So all of this is to say that when you hear us uh, geek out on anything in the e-commerce space at Cyber Monday series or otherwise, we're, we're coming from a place of knowing where you've been, where you're going, and are here to help you, again, whether it be through this series or other, other services we can provide, again, informal or formal, we're here to support you at all times. Now, Cyber Monday is just one of many industry event events or event series that we put on. Um, it's our most regular one, even though we've got a new one coming out in just two weeks. We'll have some announcements on that on our on re- AI within the retail space. So we're excited to uh, launch a monthly pod, uh, podcast, webcast like Cyber Monday for you. All of you want to geek out on how that's going Im- to kind of implicate our, our our careers and our companies. Um, so more to come there. But those these are those are free and they're really to inform you as well as to have guests on to to to, to keep things fresh. But we also have a lot of other strategy-focused, retailer-focused events to help make sure everyone gets the latest and greatest strategies from whatever angle of the of the space that we're in. Um, so we've done events year-to-date on Kroger, on Walmart, on Instacart. We did one on Amazon in April, even though we've got our other Amazon series for EU and US at the end of September. We did one on the BevOut space, knowing the BevOut categories are ramping up quickly to catch up with a lot of our the other categories. We've done different ones on strategies and capabilities, everything from change management to incrementality. Um, we actually have our third in our series, even though you won't miss anything if you missed the first two earlier this year. We've got our Smarter Growth event tomorrow um, at 12 noon Eastern. You can sign up again for free and get the recordings if you can't join us live. Um, it's focused on how to drive loyalty and repeat. We had, a, we had events earlier in the year on focused on new buyers and building bigger baskets. If you want to get access to those recordings as well, you can just reach out to us. We'll get those to you so that you have the complete package. And then we have had a lot of future of events where we talk about what's coming next. But when we say next, not like 20 years from now, you don't need to do anything about it today. Like what's coming next, like tomorrow, so that you can go take action for your organization today. And those are our, our future of content, future of measurement, future of engagement. We've got a lot more in store for you. And we know that the end of the year is coming fast. So we've got our 20, Oscar and I were just talking about that today, laying out our 2024 plan for you um, so that you can go and sign up for any or all of these in advance, save your seats. You might as well. They're free for all brand manufacturers and anybody in between. Um, so if for any reason you can't sign in for free, reach out to us. We'll, we'll, we, we do have an agency uh, ticket as well. We'd love to have those folks join us too, um, but, but it's free for brands or anybody in between roles as you may be transitioning. So just reach out to us anytime. One other cool factor, and you're earning points for this already or hours for this already, is our free NextCommerce Leadership Certification Program called Torch. Um, we really, we launched this at the end of last year to celebrate learning over time, um, which most people do not get credit for. They get credit for doing one specific learning experience. Um, So if you have not earned your badge or been with us before, you're earning your first badge, your Ember Red Badge today. If you've been with us, like many of you I know are joining us today, you are earning very valuable hours towards the next badge and some of the perks that come at the very top of our, our Polaris and Sirius levels. So we are tracking live learning because we can track that you attended. If you have attended on demand by watching the video of any of our events, 
Um, you can claim the credit. We'll put it right in, and it'll count ongoing. Um, and if you just want to check out what your badge level is, if if you if you have one but haven't don't know if you're already earning the next one, reach out to us at torch at firstmover.com. That'll come to all of us. We'll we'll get right back to you. If you don't have your badge yet, but you think you've attended before, you have one waiting for you, and we'd love to get it to you. So there are no catches. There's no spam. There's no nothing. Just badge communication, so you can get uh, share this out on LinkedIn. Make your mom and dad proud, um, and and we will be adding some additional ways you can earn hours towards these levels um, as we go forward. Including, you can actually already claim credit for anything you might have done through a custom training. If you had the pleasure of listening to me train you internally um, at any organization, we would love to give you credit for those hours as well. So um, I already see an email coming in from someone now. So. Torch at firstmover.com will get you your badge or an update on your badge, whatever you would like. Um, but let's get into today's content. We've got a number of headlines or trends of headlines that we've seen because there's often a few that go together into kind of a theme. All of our news is framed around what we'd like to call our next commerce news flywheel. Um, it, this will probably morph over time, but to date we see a lot of things fall into either just kind of an overall digital is driving and influencing bucket to how that affects the shelf shrinking um, as the store evolves and as more and more people shift online and are engaging the above the fold shelf a little bit more aggressively, if not, maybe not even engaging with the shelf anymore with chat GPT and predictive commerce, uh, you're kind of starting to rise. As the shelf shrinks, we actually have more competition online. So rivalry is rising. There's these, there are all these commercial ecosystems. There's digitally native brands. There's private brands and exclusives, emerging platforms. Um, and so we try to, and, and those all continue to help fuel more digital drive, right? So all of these, you'll see kind of news often feeds into a lot of buckets, but they they sit in each one and it helps to see how the story spins this flywheel because you might see one headline and kind of not blink twice at it on LinkedIn. But when you see how it fits in, you'll see, ah, that's feeding another trend. And maybe this is a bigger and more, more of an imperative than I thought before. So with that, we're going to kick off with our digital is driving kind of little mini segment here. Um, some new, and it's always cool to see this, these stats come out because you don't see maybe often enough the benchmarking of who's winning in each space in e-commerce beyond the obvious of like an Amazon winning maybe overall in, in some of its lead markets. But um, a new report from Brick Meets Click, um, which is part, partners with Mercatus um, to put out these industry kind of updates based on survey results and other panel data they have um, actually just updated as of Q2 of 2023 that Walmart is actually continues to lead with the largest share of online grocery sales, hitting a record high for them. Um, they th This chart you, you'll see if you're if you're listening to us, you'll be able to get access to these slides for free um, after. But if you're looking at looking at this, it's almost 36% of their recorded e-grocery sales share goes to Walmart, where a little less than 30% is going to all other supermarkets. Um, this doesn't show some of the other teased out. You can get the report um, and we have the link where you can like link out to the article and then link out to the, the report. But um, some of the other leading players that kind of stick out, Target has continued to grow there. I think they're at like 7%. Again, they're still, I always think of Target myself as a leading grocery retailer, but that's because all of my targets locally have fresh Whereas I know a lot of targets still are pushing into fresh. So um, Target still has, you know, I would say a long on-ramp to continue to grow, but they are continuing to grow. Um, other supermarkets continue 
to grow, but but are in, in terms of share, we have remember share isn't necessarily representative of the overall growth in the space, but other supermarkets are declining a little bit as Walmart continues to push a very omni-channel agenda. Um, and, and so kind of cool to see where some of the lead players are. We know obviously Amazon Fresh continues to push behind that um, as well. One of the big call-outs too is that Pickup was a, a significant share, continues to be a significant share of the e-grocery space, not surprising. Um, it, I guess it got a little bit of an uptick in recent quarters because of inflation and people kind of trading back to, I want the convenience of online, but I'm willing to save versus having it delivered to me unless I have a membership of sorts. Um, but I do think, again, we know delivery is the long-term path of least resistance, but it's interesting, you know, as there's still a balance in pickup, a lot of retailers are trying to figure out ways to optimize the pickup experience, including like Target really rolling out their like Starbucks delivery at curbside and things like that. So I think we're going to still see a lot of pickup innovation um, for, for, for a while, because again, pickup isn't going to go anywhere, but it is going to shift to delivery as the battle for delivery continues to go. But Oscar, what is your take on all of this? No, it's, you know, we're doing actually a study with Circana and Profitero to looking at, um, you know, dollar sales, dollar per trip, new buyers, growth metrics, frequency, etc. right across brick and, uh, brick and mortar and as well as e-commerce. And what's interesting is that uh, we're just looking purely at the category kind of growth, that both brick and mortar and e-commerce categories, actually a lot of them are growing um, above inflation 2023 year to day. So when I was actually looking at brick and mortar, 66% of categories are actually growing above inflation. And then with e-commerce is 77% are growing over inflation, which is which is great news for us as an industry, right? But how they are growing, it gets super interesting because what we are basically seeing is that in brick and mortar, the units per trip are actually increasing uh, in brick and mortar, but they are decreasing in e-commerce. The new buyer growth metrics are actually decreasing in both brick and mortar and e-commerce for 2023, but then the frequency is completely flipped over, where frequency is massively increasing in e-commerce, but frequency is decreasing in the brick and mortar, which creates that kind of like an interesting situation where people are grow- going less to a store, but buying more, but they are buying less on e-commerce, but doing more frequent. So, you know, we got to kind of dig di- dig into this a little bit just to try to understand dynamics, of course, the last milers, etc. But, you know, the message is, you know, definitely we're seeing still a lot of growth, you know, in, in terms of all of the different categories. But how are we actually going to the market in both brick and mortar, uh, brick and mortar and e-commerce is completely different. So we have to kind of make sure that we are pushing their, their, their you know, their light, uh, right levers. Uh, then uh, on the flip side, if we actually look at, of course, you know, we are constantly looking at things like what's happening in terms of, you know, attracting some of the new buyers to franchisees. Um, you know, content is always the king. Content is, of course, the currency nowadays, specifically with retailers. Uh, so few things that kind of stuck up for us uh, this time was that, you know, Walmart is working with Big, with Crayola and other, you know, back to school brands to create experiences within roadblocks for anybody that is 13 and up, uh, which we actually think it's, it's super interesting that Walmart as a much more 
I would say, conservative established retailer is really doubling into roadblocks uh, where, you know, trying to kind of build the future uh, consumers there and future customers there, you know, which is, you know, fascinating in terms of um, their being able to execute this. And I, I honestly think it's the right way of actually testing it. Then on the flip side, um, Home Depot is that basically doing what we know helps with the new buyer growth, which is just create specific content um, and content hub for new homeowners, which we know anytime, you know, somebody is basically getting a new home, there's a lot of unknown, there's a learning curve. Uh, so we we love those kind of educational aspects on retailer sites to actually help to navigate the process just because of there are so many little things to take care of it. So anytime we actually see those new buyer engagement and kind of thinking you know, ahead of the curve, we always kind of pay attention to this because, you know, I remember going back to my Kimberly Clark days, you know, getting people actually in the maternity ward, you know, to getting those diapers, you know, either PNG or KC was always absolutely critical because then you basically build built on the habit and you're just creating a new habit that then it's becomes kind of more, a little bit of an embedded in, in people's conscious. So it's much harder to break that habit later on. Um, so we definitely uh, like those type of experiences and we are paying attention to them. The, 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 I'll say it's, it's cool to see both of these pieces. The Home Depot, you know, creating a hub for content may not seem very new, but I, I almost feel like it, it's this issue of like there's so much content that even arguably Google, I don't want to say can't organize it, but, but it's, it's too much. Like, like, but yet there's, there's nothing that's going to stop all the content from coming. Someone's got to figure out a way to organize it for a segment of the population. And if they can organize it and make it accessible and usable, they become, you know, whether, whether it's a Home Depot as a retailer or you as a brand, if you're on the brand side. So, um, so that obviously content is king and queen all the time, but that education at the right moment might be just enough content, but not too much to overwhelm. The funny thing with the Roblox thing, and I know Walmart has tested a few things and then pulled back, um, just be, being careful not to be like overtly targeting children and things like that. I mean, as all brands are trying to be very thoughtful to that. The hard part too is, and I haven't played Super Campus myself, but my kids play and I play with them on Roblox so I can stay cool as a dad. But um, what's interesting is like some of the, some of the most popular games like don't make any sense. And so you have to like f- figure out like, how do I create something that would make someone want to play? So I like the, the hard part. I mean, this is a challenge for any, any retailer or brand. How do I create something that adds entertainment value and, or integrate myself into another game for entertainment value and brand equity building value without trying to force my own game. I mean, you have to test and learn, but like trying to force myself into an environment and hope people adopt me and find me equally as entertaining. So it'll, I think that's going to be a problem for everyone trying to get in. And that's why maybe it's easier for like product placement or sponsorships and things like that. But it's cool to see a Walmart take a lead, you know, here as they have and really try to find a way to engage with, with the, the up and coming generation that will fuel their parents' purchases, but then their own as they, maybe choose Walmart in the future as they have their own disposable income. On another side for shopper uh, engagement, um, we were being silly, knock, knock, who's there, AI. Um, AI is always answering the door, um, but we, we see, we, we're constantly seeing AI being integrated into both retail and or brand tools. And, and to be fair, this isn't all new. Some brands have been testing and learning with this for a while. 
Um, they, the skin wellness brand Elemis uh, partnered with a company called Perfect Core on an AI-driven skin diagnostic experience. So again, very akin in many ways to like the virtual try-on or the see this furniture in your home type experience that really engages your product to the next level. This, you know, this like many of the ones that try to diagnose, you know, or even like, I think like, you know, the Warby Parker type, like see your glasses on or some of the, the different eyewear companies where you could see your own eyewear on your face in real time. This is, th this, this takes it to the next level. What if I could scan a picture of myself or a live, live feed of myself and it would actually diagnose real opportunities, real issues I may be having or, or confirm what that is. Uh, you know, hey, what is that spot? What should I do about that? Um, so really kind of cool to see. I mean, if, if something can serve this diagnosis, the recommendation that comes along with it that happens to be their product becomes a very natural add to cart, um, even if other solutions might also be able to help. So um, I'm sure we will see more of this type of thing, not just skin diagnosis, but other diagnostic tools coming into play. Um, on the more of the retail side, even though it's the last miler side, DoorDash um, is testing and rolling an AI into its voice ordering and customer service platform. So both, and I haven't voice ordered directly from DoorDash myself, but I have called with problems. And so trying to ultimately make sure that they resolve issues quickly and get someone to the right right place quickly, even though they may have to use, you know, kind of automated messaging and whatnot, or, or AI-driven automation chatbot-like experiences to get you to the place you need to go, if not also to help make that ordering that much faster as voice continues to grow. Cool to see them, again, trying to make sure that, that their ordering and or troubleshooting is as convenient as the delivery that they do as their main hedgehog of their business. So, um, so cool to see two sides of, of the coin here as AI continues to roll out. I'm sure we'll see many more in Cyber Mondays to come. Then, um, of course, we are paying always attention to Instacart. Um, I'm sure a lot of you also paying attention to the IPO uh, and their valuation. I think uh, the valuation is now at $9 billion, if I, if I remember correctly. Chris, do you remember? Was it $9 billion? I think it was $9 billion, right? It's only legitimate if it's $10 billion. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, you know, so Instacart uh, is always kind of adding, you know, capability, you know, so they have the storefronts to help the retailer, um, you know, to manage basically their experiences on Instacart. Uh, but now they are actually adding a little bit of an AI layer on the top of it to both storefront as, as well as the um, capper cart uh, solution. So we, we of course, going to see a lot of that infusions of AI within it. Um, I actually had a problem with my uh, DoorDash order and everything got resolved via chatbot, you know, just because of AI was able to figure this out, you know, almost in instantaneously. So I'm sure Instacart will implement similar technology in the future. And then uh, Giant Eagle is actually going to partner with Instacart, which is like shocking just because of Instacart has so many retailers and there are still retailers that they haven't partnered with Instacart in 2023. But uh, Giant Eagle now will actually partner with them, um, you know, in terms of using their service and as well as they're going to actually look at uh, integrating um, some of the loyalty programs together, which absolutely makes sense uh, from that perspective. At, at some point, like every time we've had Instacart present with us uh, many times at their own events and some of our, that we've sponsored uh, like in their name um, to help you know, drive their our Instacart community forward. 
Um, every time they present, the number of retailers that they work with has grown even further. And then at some point, you almost forget that there are a few out there that might not have officially partnered with them yet. Um, so it's kind of cool to see that they will continue to expand and be an option um, for shoppers. Um, pivoting a little bit to another big player in this space, um, Amazon um, at, is always testing bullets before cannonballs, which is a reference to Jim Collins' Good to Great, um, which if, if you have a chance to read, essentially outlines Amazon's playbook, even though it was written before Jeff Bezos could have followed the playbook. So it's kind of interesting. Um, great minds think alike. But Amazon is testing a $35 free shipping minimum for non-prime members right now. Remember, almost no one left in the in the United States is a non-prime. I'm kidding, but very few are non-prime members. But as means to obviously a experiment with that minimum, because to be fair, a lot of purchases are stock up experiences. They're planned purchases. Spear fishing, as Oscar was saying too, um, you know, people are going in, they might be going in for more trips, but maybe smaller baskets um, or, or smaller numbers of units. Doesn't mean necessarily the unit doesn't go, the unit price isn't going up as people are stocking up, but testing this obviously not to disrupt their prime members who already have paid in to get free shipping or next day or same day, um, but testing this, as, as, a, as a rise from the $35. Actually, it may not be that hard to hit $35 with the inflation that's already been taking place. Um, so you might, I'm sure they already had some indication that the average purchase was above 30. And so it was, it's just a small trade up for people, but it would drive more incrementality from them. It may actually drive more people into prime and it will help them offset some of the costs too. So just interesting to see them testing that. Um, another interesting and, and it, it seems small, like when, when you actually look at it, like it's a great PR story. It's a very small update, but it's cool. Amazon is expanding to its second university campus with its just walkout technology in a convenience store at Marymount University in Arlington, Virginia. Um, they actually, you have to read the article because at first I was trying to figure out how this worked, but they, they're actually teaming up with Grubhub, which they already have been kind of teaming up with Grubhub through like prime perks and things that they've been adding in the last... Um, year or so, but they've teamed up with Grubhub because Grubhub already has like the integration into the campus for ease of ordering, but Amazon is integrating into that so that the actual physical convenience store has the just walkout technology like Amazon Go. This is the second university campus that they're integrating in. Now, again, that's, you say, well, that's two, right? There are, you know, hundreds of universities and um, you know, just in the U.S. alone, if, if we only start there. And there's obviously uh, probably quite a few convenience stores, probably a thousand plus convenience stores right in the campus area. But it's it's the concept that they're, again, they're testing small. And once they get, they only need a few use cases to blow this out and to get people bought into it. But it, it starts setting the expectation higher, right? If nothing else, Amazon's PR forces shoppers to go, hmm, well, mine doesn't do that. And now I know, like, I can't unsee what I just saw. And wouldn't it be so nice if that was true? I mean, Amazon Go is really convenient. When, I almost forget because I don't have one next to me. But when I've gone to the, the some of the remaining ones, like in New York City, um, in the financial district, you're like, well, wow, okay, this is actually really convenient. Um, wouldn't that be nice if my the ones I use locally had, had that same capability? So I know a lot. there are a lot of companies working on the – the the the, the, you know, the just walk out technology. Amazon's a few steps ahead, but this is kind of a cool update, knowing that 
the second university will undoubtedly become a third or a fourth if this proves out to be well well engaged. I remember a few things. Number one is I think about four or five Cyber Mondays ago, we were talking about the Amazon did the study for average order value, right? And that was increasing even for non-prime. And I believe that number was like 97 versus like 134 prime users. So I'm sure they are looking at, you know, the AOVs and basically saying is like, hey, can we actually, you know, pay less for shipping and, and, you know, just make sure that the costs are right. Uh, and yeah. $35 might be a good threshold just because of probably average package for Amazon is like six, seven dollars to ship. So I'm sure there is some economics to it. And then I was going to ask you, did they implement in Boston where you are the palm scanning, um, you know, at Whole Foods um, that Amazon is actually was doing? Because it's very interesting where, where I'm in Atlanta. That's definitely saving a lot of time because putting in credit card and then scanning that code from the app. It, it takes forever. So the palm scanning for me seems like a little bit of a step in between from like just having a, you know, machine vision and just recognizing me as the the right person, you know, to be able to check out as quickly as possible. That, that's an awesome question. The, the Whole Foods that I have is in a shopping center, um, not too far away where we usually go out to, to eat with my, with my kids. So I'll have to go in there. I've been in there several times, but not recently. I'll have to go in to check if they've got that, because uh, we use it for Amazon returns all the time now, um, as we now have to take it there, as opposed to some of the other locations that we used to take it to. Again, as Amazon continues to test their partnerships and scale down or scale up in other ways. So um, no, but I'll, ch- I'll check that out because to your point, like it, it seems like a no brainer once it's in there, but obviously it took a lot of a, a lot of effort to get there. And it's still obviously got to roll out um you know, more, more, uh, more nationwide, more globally for it to really, truly set the bar higher. But no, those are great points. I'll yeah, because out. I think the technology at the checkout is much easier scalable versus having entire, right, the Amazon Go within large format stores. So I'm not surprised they are looking at much smaller formats, um, you know, in terms of that, you know, to be able to do it. So... Then uh, the other thing is, you know, like there is, uh, we always kind of paying attention to drones, uh, although it feels a little bit because of, you know, the lack of scalability, a little bit like um, the self-driving car revolution. So if you notice nowadays in a lot of the uh, news, new kind of news outlets, they are mentioning is like, hey, is self-driving actually going backwards, right? Just because if we don't see a lot of the innovation, you know, when it comes into that. Uh, so drones are in a little bit of a similar situation where we might have the right co- concepts, but not necessarily the right execution yet to fully be able to scale it. And we know there are massive issues uh, for some of the locations. You know, I'm, for example, in Atlanta, and Atlanta has like four or five uh, airports, you know, w- uh, around the city, private airports, military airports. So the no-fly zone for drones is basically covering, I would say, 60% of the city, which I'm sure... Uh, for scalability, it just creates a lot of challenges in terms of all the FAA regulation. But in this kind of a scenario, um, Walmart is actually partnering with Google drones um, to be able to, to deliver some of the orders um, in Northwest Arkansas. And they are now scaling this to seven other states um, and 36 stores. So 
We'll have to see. Um, at the moment, they just accomplished 10,000 deliveries, which is always kind of like a good milestone. But think about it, 10,000 deliveries, when you look at all the retail trips and e-commerce orders, that's like nothing. Uh, but, you know, that partnership with Google subsidiary, which is called Wing, um, it, we're going to have to see, you know, what kind of the, what's the strategy is. I personally think that the one that actually has the most promise is probably Zipline. Uh, the one that actually has been used in Rwanda because um, uh, to deliver, um, uh, you know, blood and deliver any other medical supplies. Um, and Mark Rober, who is like a famous engineer YouTuber, he did a massive um, uh, kind of a, a program about this on, on his YouTube channel, um, a massive video. The reason for it is, the, so the zipline is very interesting is because it eliminates one of those issues with drones when it comes into safety and noise, just because of the the drone can hover, you know, above the house, um, you know, in a pretty good distance where you cannot hear it, but then the zipline can go down with the box of the product. Uh, and then, you know, once you take the product out, the zipline can go back. So that's the one that I, I think can work uh, just because of it eliminates a lot of those safety issues. There's actually a lot of, uh, if you go on YouTube or if you go on uh, Insta and, and Snapchat, there's a lot of comparison of those different drones. And a lot of those drones are actually huge. Um, so be interesting to see, especially the ones that Amazon is, is te testing too. It'd be interesting to see like how we actually going to navigate some of those safety issues and usability issues. And, you know, some people are thinking that shooting to drones might be a fun sport. Um, so that scalability is going to be super fascinating to see who not only get, gets to 10,000 delivery, but gets to like a million, 10 million deliveries. And, you know, in, in where is it going to be delivery? Is it going to be rural communities versus cities where it might be a little bit more complex? You know, think about things like apartments, et cetera. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye in terms of how it's all, you know, uh, playing out and, and keep keep an eye on the technology. But we know... A lot of that, there's a lot of innovation in terms of drones that is still happening. And there's a lot of innovation when it comes into AI, you know, machine vision, which, you know, can create much more seamless experience for all of us. Corey in, in the comments just said, not a question, but a comment. It would be great to utilize drones to deliver to more remote areas for commerce, but also for relief aid for those affected by climate events like earthquakes, fires, et cetera, which 1000% and, and like, Obviously, for the what's interesting for the for the relief part, I'm, I'm not saying a retailer or a brand couldn't participate in that. Having been at Reckitt when Lysol, one of our biggest you know, brands, uh, would would partner very closely with the American Red Cross um, and you know, would would you know donate a ton of cleaning products to help you know to help in the right in the right types of uh, you know disaster disaster type events. Um, I, I have a lot of heart for kind of relief efforts like that, but arguably that might be a different player than maybe the retailer themselves, even though maybe the retailer or again, an alphabet slash Google with their wings subsidiary would play a role in that. The remote part is really interesting from just the sheer retail. I almost feel like it's, it, it's in that same vein of like, well, quick commerce, it, quick commerce is one of those things where you almost have to go like, Oh yeah, I can order that to be delivered to me right now. Like I, I was on this, the, I guess it was in April. I was, we were on spring break with my family. We were out West in the American West and my son was getting a headache and we didn't, we hadn't brought any children's Tylenol with us. Um, 
on the trip at all. And we were, we were quite far away from the car and we were sitting at, at, at lunch and he was having this, he just looked miserable. And I kind of forgot in my head that like, I could have, I could order that on DoorDash and have it delivered to me at the restaurant while, while we were eating. And so we didn't, they, their food hadn't even come out before the, the driver drives by. We were sitting outside. I walk over to the, the, the hand comes out with the bag. It looked like we did like a drug deal, but it was because it was uh, children's Tylenol. But either way, it, 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 it solved a problem. And I, I, I thought of that because I realized I had no other option, but it wasn't my first thought. I was thinking, where is there a CVS or a Walgreens I can go to? So it's, we, I, I would see for those remote deliveries, and Oscar, your, your take's great too. too. It, it, it's the same reason, like, we almost still have to not convince, but, like, communicate to shoppers when and why they would use some of the different models that they would use, only because while it seems so obvious, why, why would I do delivery when I think it costs more and I could just go to the store, like almost give them permission to relax, to take a, take a break and just let it come to you. Um, for remote areas, they might be in more of that. I don't have any other options, but for that reason, I might not think of this option until it becomes available to me. So I think there's going to have to be a lot of education and like reinforcement marketing to make sure people know that they have access to this if they're in remote areas, because even for just normal items, because they wouldn't know otherwise. I don't know what your thoughts are, Oscar. Yeah, but that was a great one. I think it it, it does make sense. I, I honestly think some of it is is also down to economics, right, and the engineering, because if there is a little bit of an equation, how much how efficient are our solar panels? Like even on like think about it is we have actually a situation where we're going to have even solar so solar power. Uh, uh, cars, you know, Aptera is going to launch next year, which, you know, will I be able to uh, recharge the car up to a 40, 40 miles, uh, you know, uh, per day. So if we can get those drones to be lightweight with the battery, you know, the, uh, the propellers more efficient, you know, with the solar panels on the top of the drone, right, being able to deliver it and those drones can just hover and just you know deliver all day without having being have to recharge that's going to eliminate such a big component of actually operational maintenance because if you actually see what zipline is doing at the moment is they figure it out that the most energy it takes to land a drone and to take uh, take the drone into the sky so they are basically using a catapult system uh, to get them up so they can actually then take over and be more efficient while they are in the air um so again, it's an engineering issue. It's a battery issue. It's more efficiently, but we know over time things are getting more and more efficient, and someone somebody will figure out a way to actually create much more sustainable drones um, in terms of um, you know the operational, and then we can actually see change over behavior and might be in rule or might be you know definitely the the disaster relief. Uh, we also know that there is also some drones that are actually being tested for emergency situations. So let's say if there is a fire in the building, right, and you have multiple people, you know, it's hard to get enough of fire trucks. You know, there could be some other logistical issues. So having a little drone being able to pick you up from the fire, you know, that could be actually a vi very viable. And we know some of them are actually being tested. So all of that technology will keep on accelerating and we'll have to kind of see how is that going to change? And I know sometimes, you know, the when it comes into innovation, the change is very painstaking just because of, think about it is, when it comes into air travel, we've actually had the same technology since 60s and 70s, maybe more efficient, but it's the same jet going, 
Mach 1, right, and not moving faster. But now we finally actually starting to see ideas for Mach 3, Mach 5 jet, which basically would mean that you can actually fly from New York to London in less than two hours. So there's definitely an interesting kind of a change when it comes into our approaches and our ability to execute larger projects, like more of a moonshot projects. Moonshot projects. In the world of private and exclusive brands, which we like to focus on because, again, those are not new competitors out there, but they're increasingly more powerful competitors because they're being given a lot more space on the shelf, which, as we know, is not infinite, um, especially the physical shelf. Um, We've seen two kind of that played kind of nicely in this space. And I think Target and Walmart, more than anyone, have really been pushing the kind of the the, the private exclusive, and I don't mean like unjustly, but, you know, just driving this initiative forward. But um, Target, who we know at, at this point, I, I, it's tens and tens of these digitally native private, or I want to say private exclusive brands um, has been pushing, uh, Target has been pushing a lot of digitally native brands into the physical store, but then they've also reinvented a lot of their own brands. So on the right side, if you're looking at our screen, you know, their Good and Gather brand, which was their kind of re- relaunch of their food private brands um, continues to grow in both sales and share, but they continue to fuel it. Um, and so as of this latest quarter, they want, they're launching their uh, their largest private brand expansion in the food and beverage category with 20 new products. That doesn't sound again like a ton, but 20 is quite a lot. That, that wasn't necessarily 20 facings. That was 20 SKUs with multiple facings on top of what they already have in a space that, yes, they're focusing because fresh is one of the areas, as we were saying in the beginning, that they're trying to grow. Um, but as they grow theirs, and, and again, their brands often don't look like private brands, but come at private value. They actually look like kind of startup specialty brands um, and get that kind of review often uh, from, from you know, online. Um, this is, they're going to continue to gain additional share in store. Um that may not always go back to obviously the national or the global brand. So good for them to continue to differentiate. And that's been one of the big things is target differentiating its in-store experience. It's, it's online and in-store assortment, it's services among many other things, you know, again, the, the, the Starbucks partnership, the CVS partnership, the Ulta beauty partnership, the Apple mini stores, the Disney stores from a few years ago, like, so they continue to, to re reallocate space in store to other brands. Um, and so I think we're going to see the private brand, not not to mention the exclusive brand, continue to grow. Um, so really interesting to see, but as they're like heralding their own largest expansion in the food and bed space, food and bed brands just need to keep their eye out on how that, what the implications are for them. On the other side of the mass uh, market space, Walmart um, has been working over the last several years to kind of enable up and coming brands to join their portfolio as well. Um, there is a, a personal care brand called Clean Age um, that was part of Walmart's uh, pitch competition for startups, and they won the, the coveted golden ticket, which was the highest award, um, allowing them to launch nationwide at Walmart uh, this month, actually, so um, online and in store. So again, not that they're going to completely take over all of the personal care products and, and share all at once in their categories. But as Walmart lets them in on the shelf, undoubtedly on in cap and other merchandising, you know, you know, real estate, 
they command space that others might not command. And again, they're also offering, you know, as, as their pitch, you know, vegan, cruelty-free, gender-inclusive products targeted to Gen Z. Um, so as these new brands come in, allowing the retailers to go after the next generation, sometimes the brands for the prior generations have a lot more work cut out for them because they're losing some real estate slowly but surely, but they've got to reposition if, if not maintain the, 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 the generations they have, they got a position for the next one and target them too. So just, you know, this isn't necessarily bad news or good news, but this is just something to be constantly aware of. Because if you haven't been in a category that's been disrupted by a growing private brand expansion or a growing number of challenger brands, it will likely come your way because someone will use their sustainability or their cause or their target audience or their digital prowess or whatever it may be, or a mix of all of those to emerge onto the shelf in store being the one that might be the scariest because that's where we then lose space. And we've seen a couple big brands lose some space to target Walmart. Even if it doesn't seem like it was all of their space, it was enough that it, that it dented their business. And so just something to, to be aware of, we, we're, we've got our work cut out to make sure that we stay premium and compelling and winning with both our current audience, but whatever that next audience is. And what's your opinion about, you know, how AI and Gen AI specifically will influence a lot of those product launches? Because, you know... So, so yeah. No, it's a good question, Oscar. You might have another take two on this. Um, I, I would imagine the first one, when you said that, the, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is the shopper experience. And if the shopper is asking for product using a chat GPT-infused or AI-driven you know, search tool or, you know, recipe tool or whatever it may be. Um, it, it could it, it, it could be, depending on who you are and how far along this AI evolution, it may be that AI recommends something for you. So if I was Gen Z, it may say, you know, for, for consumers like you, you know, or, or based on your profile or whatnot, they may not say all of that, but they might just say, you should really check out this for this, 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 because I know this is something you you care about, you care about that cruelty-free, we all should, but I'm cruelty-free or vegan products. It may not have to be based on Gen Z, but it might loosely be based on that. So I, I could see some of those search tools uh, or, or AI tools almost maybe, maybe prescribing the new set of products to the newer generation who might be more prone to use those tools from birth onward. I could also see and by default, then that would arguably spin the flywheel, the proverbial flywheel, and those brands would rise to the top and be bestsellers or Amazon's choice or that that you know popular picks as well um, for other people too. So I, I, AI undoubtedly will come in, but the, the other thing will be too is if if like a, I'll pick on Target, if Target was to weave in products you know for recipes or whatnot, and they you know and obviously they make sure that their products are set up in that tool, maybe not, you know, unfairly versus other brands, but they get out ahead of doing it first. The tool might default to the products it knows it can recommend based on what goes together. And so before you even get into like the physically merchandised pieces or the digitally merchandised experiences where they might push their products into an experience. So those are some quick ones, but I don't know if you had other ones, Oscar, you were thinking of. No, I'm thinking, you know, where it makes the most sense is uh, maybe some much quicker ideation because you know we know 
the reviews, you know, the the chat boards, the social media comments, etc. They've been always full of ideas of a product um, that you know maybe target, maybe retailers will actually look at it. It's like, hey, brands are not addressing this need, and maybe how we will address it because we see a segment of population that might need that specific product. You know, especially a lot of innovation can come come in um, in food. Just because of, you know, we have so many diet fads that are happening that that clearly it's really hard, you know, to actually satisfy. And I give a, flip, a real example. So, like, my wife put me on low-carb diet. You know how hard it is to actually fi- find low-carb information in the store and get the right products and making sure that the products also has, you know, at least semi-clean ingredients? It's, it's very hard. So, like... People might be on different diets and different restrictions in terms of what ingredients they accept, which they don't. And it's just much harder to find those products, right? So from that perspective, if, if you actually look at the entire population size and start actually trying to divide, see if there are some niches that can be explored, I think Gen AI can fundamentally just lower the cost of executing a lot of those brand launches, you know, even just to try um, so that could be an kind of an interesting kind of a scenario when it comes into that. And then, you know, um, our favorite beauty brand, uh, Elf, Elf Beauty. Uh, okay, it's not favorite because, you know, we have so many Elf Beauty products. We just love what they're doing when it comes into digital. They are clearly leading the pack and leading the category. So we always kind of pay attention to what Elf Beauty is doing. Uh, so they're going to acquire uh, Natrum. Um, it's one of the skin brand that was actually uh, created in 2019. Uh, but the reason why they're actually doing this because that helps them to expand, uh, you know, their 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 customer base uh, because the uh, Natrium is a little bit more male centric um, and a little bit for older uh, consumers. So I think from that perspective, it just makes sense because you know you always want to build a portfolio that can actually address. All kinds of you know population needs you know ages sex etc. You, you wouldn't want to skip the other fifty percent of the population, right? Well, it's not even that, but uh, but you know, like I, all the innovation, <laughs> a lot of the times happens for people that are young, you know, Gen X, Gen Z. But then you know you have adults, you have senior population. So I always there a lot of that innovation, a lot of that excitement can be actually recreated for that population, for that segment of the population, especially that it might have much more, you know, disposable income, you know, especially, you know, after kids are off to college, et cetera. So it, it makes sense for a hip company to look in because everybody wants to be a hipster. You know, we know that now after 40, uh, people no longer say, okay, I'm done with my glamorous life and I'm not going to do anything. Uh, now we see people in 70s, 80s working out, having TikTok accounts, and probably being in one of their best uh, shape of their lives. So I think our ambition in terms of uh, life has changed quite a bit. I'll second that, and I've said this to Oscar before. I'm not a runner by trade, but my wife got me into running 5Ks and 10Ks end of last fall, and I've run about 30 now um so this is like my forced exercise for the week and i obviously try to exercise in between um but how humbling and i don't say this with any bias like how humbling is it that as i i like to think i'm middle-aged and on the younger side if i can 
I'm, as I run, what might be my best pace is people that could be my grandmother or grandfather, like outpace me immediately. And I never see them again because they, they, they're that fast and that powerful. So I, to your point, Oscar, I think that might be the runner crowd in general, but, um, but I'm, 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 I'm very impressed by people, you know, being young at heart and making sure they stay that way and brands trying to cater to that too. So um, last but not least in the, in the, in, in the realm of news, um, we, we kind of bucketed this under commercial ecosystems because we know our, our, some of our favorite leading retailers are constantly building out all of their, all of their diverse business models, but um, enabling sellers for growth, right? So re- remembering that it's not all about the 1P business, it's that 3P and extended seller retail partner uh, business. Walmart um, had its first seller summit, um, third-party seller summit. Um, in Las Vegas this uh, re- recently, you might have seen it on LinkedIn, and their theme was the Let's, Let's Grow uh, theme. But this was where they were really trying to bring, the, and again, they're kind of hand-growing their seller base a little differently than Amazon, who has to actually like maybe pare back a little bit or put a little bit more constraint on the much larger third-party seller base that they've grown over the years. Walmart has been able to add maybe, I would say, not, not, not to knock Amazon, but Amazon has obviously grown so much that sometimes there are not all good actors in that group. And Walmart's been able to make sure they added uh, a lot of the, the, the choice third-party sellers. So they, they launched the summit to help really drive their business and accelerate their, their strategy. Because if they grow, Walmart grows because Walmart is the platform on which they sell and they obviously capture that share. So cool to see Walmart really, again, continuously putting a focus, almost like the, like the brand the brand summits that they've had in the past and the ad summits, you know, focusing in on the seller side. Um, on the Amazon side, Amazon is extending its buy with Prime to retailers and sell- sellers on Shopify. So this is essentially like w- without having to code it into one's Shopify platform for your own, you know, direct to consumer or retail site. Um, you could actually have a buy with Prime app like button automatically added in. And obviously there are quite a few sellers out there who have their own sites, specialty sites, uh, on any set of categories and then also sell through Amazon's platform. So allowing to extend the catalog freely between both platforms, this takes additional steps to enable that. So how many people are using that? I don't know, but that's a cool, I've, I've seen several sites before that would link back to Amazon. This obviously makes that a more integrated experience. So um, both Amazon arguably owns a, a ton of the third-party business out there in a lot of markets, but they're obviously trying to continuously be more more tailored to that that very important nuanced audience that keeps them number two or number one in the markets that they play in. So, um, so that's that's all the news that we have for you today, as of September 11th at almost 2 p.m. Eastern. There might have been something that went along as we were on our podcast with you today. So if we missed something, shoot us up you know, right, right at hello at firstmover.com. Shoot us the news. We'll include that in. Or you can always, as Corey did today, share your comments. We'll try to add them in um, or questions, obviously, or thoughts or pontifications. If it's we, we have a lot of you out there thinking about what's next, would love to hear from you. Um, we have so many more events for you that will round up just this year, and then we'll have an entire another set of Uh, events for 2024. So our next Cyber Monday is October 16th. So just a short month away, we'll be there before you know it. Our next, and and that's our Cyber Monday series, which you've been on today. We will have our Smarter Loyalty or that repeat 
focused incrementality event is tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern to 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Join us for part of it. Come in in the middle of it. Come in for the first half. Don't join live at all and join us on demand. However you'd like to join, um, we would love to have you there. Most brands have a loyalty play, and we want to really dig into how do we drive it, how do we measure it, um, and how do we target it. Um, and we've got uh, we've got our partners at Flywheel, uh, Incremental, and Circana that will be joining us to talk about all aspects of that. Um, it'll be an awesome part. And again, we, that's the third of three. So if you miss the first two, reach out to us. We can get you those recordings too, so you can focus on new household penetration and back bigger baskets as it plays to Omni and e-commerce. We have our Amazon EU and US events at the end of sept, uh, September. All of these are at firstmover.com forward slash events. And the next month we've got our 1010 future of innovation, how to launch new items online and everything in between, how to, and then our target uh, event at the end of the month, next month. And then we've got a few more future of uh, profitability, uh, workflow events, all kinds of cool, you would say niches, but they're not niches. They're tools in your toolbox to help you drive your business forward. So love to have you join us again. They're free for everyone to join. So is our torch program. We saw a few emails coming in about badges. So reach out to us. They're free. And it's a kind of a cool accolade to share in the industry. Not to mention you get some pretty cool perks as you ride, rise up the ranks. Um, and so we will see you hopefully tomorrow, if not at our next cyber Monday or at our next events. And as always, Oscar and I are here to support you in any way we can it could just be a, hey, guys, I'm, I applied for this company. Do you know anyone there? Or what do you recommend about that company? We're, we try to be unbiased, but we'll give you a friend-to-friend uh, reality. Uh, you know, Check you know, whether it's a capability or a company or just a, what do you think about this? We'd love to geek out with you. We can also, again, help you with uh, custom advisory work, capability work, tip services, custom trainings, certifications, you name it. Um, we're here to help. And if we if we can't, we'll point you to the, the, the set of companies you can consider that will. So um, thank you all for joining us. Thank you for your engagement. Uh, thanks to Oscar for always keeping me on the latest and greatest as well. And we will see you at our next event.